Episode 3 of the Song Hacks podcast. I am your host Al Southgate and I'm here to invite you to join me on a journey into the very heart of the noble art of songwriting. And this week we are joined by our very special guest, Pete Murdoch, who goes under the artist name Birds of Hell. So, thank you for tuning in once again. And if this is the first episode of Song Hacks you've listened to, you can go and listen to the previous two. If you head over to www.songhacks.uk, you can follow Song Hacks on SoundCloud. Just search for the Song Hacks podcast there. There's a Facebook page. You can subscribe using iTunes or Stitcher. It would be great if you could leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher. That's going to spread the word and get the podcast up the ranking so more people get to hear it. So like us on Facebook and you can follow me on Twitter under the handle Al Southgate. For this episode, I've changed the format a little bit. The previous two episodes took an awful long time to edit. That's partly because I'm still learning how to podcast. But it's also because I think there were too many sections in each show. And so for this week, Pete and I got together and I conducted a little interview with him to find out what he's up to by way of songwriting and performing and recording and all that sort of stuff. But in the same way that I wrote a song with Ian Lowry, the one that's featured in episode two, Pete and I have started a collaboration together. But neither of us wanted to rush it. We're both quite busy, we're both dads, we've got a lot on our plates. And so we're going to take our time with that. So this is basically a two-parter. And in this part, as I say, there's an interview with Pete. And of course, we play some of his music, starting with his track Los Yarmouth, then Two Brothers, and lastly, Practice Punching My Hand, Son. And at some point in the future, I'm not going to make any promises when, there'll be another show featuring Pete Murdoch where we reflect on the process of writing a song together. You can find out more about Pete. Just search for Birds of Hell on SoundCloud, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Bandcamp. And look out for the forthcoming single called Boa, which is coming out on the Cameo Candy label sometime pretty soon. And I believe you can pre-order it on iTunes right now. So let's have a listen to the interview. 
I'll be back to make a few comments just before the end of the show. So, Pete Murdoch, welcome to the Song Hacks podcast. Hello. <laughs> Tell us something about your musical journey. Where did it, you know, where did it start? Where has it taken you? Yeah, I tried doing a bit of piano as a as a kid, but um, I had a few lessons at school, but that was about it. But I was surrounded by music when I was young. My granddad was a, a concert pianist, not a hugely famous one or anything, but he practiced. We used to go around hit, hit, hit my granddad's on Saturdays, and we weren't allowed in the front room because he was practicing. And he had a you know he had a nice piano, and he we all had to just stay out of there. So I remember that very clearly. And um, the local church choir, my granddad played the organ, his wife, uh, Sue, she was the choir master. My auntie, Sally, she was in the choir. My two brothers were in the choir. I was in the choir. So it was like a Murdoch choir at one point. Yeah, surrounded by music, really. My dad um, played a lot of music in the house, classical music mainly, is what I remember, and jazz. And then, yeah, I didn't really pick up an instrument seriously till I was 16. I'd fiddle around with the guitar a little bit and then one day my mum taught me a couple of chords and a couple of things, a couple of finger picking things and then I was away and by that time, you know, I was a teenager going through, you know, everything that teenagers go through and so I was really into my music at that point and I was really only interested in playing the guitar so I could write songs um, so that was great and I immediately started as soon as I could, you know, play C, F and G and all the rest of it or whatever. So, yeah, and I was listening to, um, well, I started to get into all sorts of music around that age, but I guess my heart was in indie music, I guess, things like um, The Wedding Present and Sonic Youth. But as I say, I started to meet a lot of other people playing other things, people not too far off my own age playing stuff that my dad had, like jazz stuff and things like that and being opened up to hip-hop and well just everything hip-hop and I started to um, go around certain people's houses and we used to sit around listening to music and a few of them were DJs and DJs that played loads of different kinds of music you know it's the first time that I sat around and heard Nina Simone mm-hmm. um, around about what age were you they were my brother's friends my oldest brother's friends really and so I used to go around there, so they were like sort of six years older than me. I would have been like 15, I think, when I first sort of got opened up to all of that. And yeah, so there were all these DJs and they were also, there was, there were a band called Deftex and that was a hip hop crew. And um, they used to have freestyle sessions, like proper freestyles where you make it up on the spot. Because I think freestyles mean different things now where actually you just do a kind of different version of a song you already do but they like did freestyles totally improvised and we used to sit around laughing and listening to that which was great and then just being opened up to Gil Scott Heron you know and um, Freestyle Fellowship Brand Nubian and and loads of music that I'd never heard before you know so I was listening to Ride and The Wedding Present and Silent Youth and all that kind of stuff and then be, you know, getting a, a mixtape with Gil Scott Heron and, and Common, you know, just loads of interesting music, and so it was always loads of stuff going on. And and and, and whilst that was going on, I was learning to play the guitar, 
and some of my friends started to learn to play the guitar. And then we started a band, and then we played in front of our friends in my mate's kitchen, off Rory's kitchen. And presumably you were songwriting for that band? Uh, yeah, I think I think so. I think they, with, yeah, we all chipped in. My friend Michael chipped in, and he was really into noise and stuff like that. So that was great. Uh, you said earlier on that you began playing the guitar because you wanted to write songs. Yeah. How old were you when you first identified as a songwriter? When did you decide? Was that a real conscious decision? I'm a songwriter, therefore I need a guitar. Or? Well, you don't say to yourself, "I'm a songwriter," do you? you just, it's just a it's just a thing, isn't it? You don't. Uh, I don't know, maybe some... Well, I didn't, I didn't. I was really moved by it because I, I found I was, music could make me um, feel... I, could, I think it was, you know, music could make me cry and that really... I think I found that fascinating, <laughs> you know. Yeah. It could just without... It could just suddenly... Sometimes it can... Even if you're not in a terrible mood or just experience some terrible sadness, sometimes it can move you so much that it makes you cry and then and then it can make you feel all sorts of things and bring back memories and, and set off ideas that's so, such a rich that's why I do it because it's so rich and it can be accessible yet complicated in a way and interesting and rich and and all that kind of thing and it's such um that's such a lovely thing so um you just kind of start doing it and, and you know you write, write your first songs and it's good laugh Show you Atlantis 
What has the process of songwriting or making music in general come to mean to you? It's really helped me at times. It's really helped me at times. You know, I mean, I was a real romantic. I still, I probably still am. I was a real romantic. I got um, when I was young. I was just remember my heart being broken, as as so many people's hearts are. You know, you fall hard. Well, I seemed to fall hard in love. You know, it was you know probably pretty terrible. But I remember, you know, when a relationship did break down, like, or if I really, really, you know, fancied someone or thought I was in love with someone, and you know, they were with someone else or something. I'd listen to music so much and just be like, not sobbing, but, you know, just kind of really finding solace in it, you know, and really, um, yeah, wallowing in it. And then we're moving on to the energy and the joy and the, and the anger and, the, you know, when you start dancing, when you start actually moving to the music as well. And then, you know, you go to some free party in the middle of a field in that certain state of mind, if you know what I mean. Wow, <laughs> that's amazing. I'm interested in making that stuff that does that. Yeah, That's what I'm interested in. And there's so many facets to it. You can write a piece of music that's meant to fill a dance floor and, and even really move people, but it hasn't got any words in it. And then you get onto songs with words in. <laughs> you know, and then it's like, it's, it's, so, it's so much to get your teeth into. And I don't know, it can be, it can be light and still be just perfect. Or it can be so profound and heavy and be perfect in that way as well. Mm. And you can't just stick it in a little box. I mean, this is all kind of obvious. Sounds kind of a bit, I don't know what the word is. It's a bit daft to talk about it this way in some ways. Of course, everyone knows this really. Have you got a typical way of writing a song? Uh, yeah, I think I probably have. You know, I have a starting point and I... I just use a, a computer program like a little recording studio and just build things I build things up got a lyric book and I most of the time I don't carry it around everywhere with me but I've started trying to do that again recently but I write it, lyrics in my lyric book whether I've got music for them or not or I just try and generate things because from experience I know that I'll be thinking about a song and then I'll flick back through my lyric book and just find one sentence that really makes me think about what I'm doing in a slightly different way. And it was something I wrote last year and I can use it for something I'm doing now and join it with something else. That's often, that happens, joining things with other things. So is it important then to always record? Yeah, because I'm not, I'm not hugely prolific. And like so many other musicians, I've got a job and I've got kids and family and all that kind of stuff. And so, with all of these elements in, you know, when I get an idea, I've got to get it, make a note of it, because I may not have time to see it through till the end, mm. right now, or even tomorrow, or the day after that. So I've got to make a start on it. You know, when I can give up my job, <laughs> then, I, I, you know, I, it'll just be like, maybe I'll be able to sit in a, in a room for six hours and see it through. Mm -hmm. And is that something you'd like to happen? Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Is that something you're trying to do? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't mind. I don't hate my job. You know, We've I, got I the teach, same job, essentially. Haven't yeah, we? yeah, we essentially teach music to kids. I like doing that. I wouldn't mind still doing a bit of that now and again. Um, I feel like it's good for me, and I feel better after I've done it. You know, I do a workshop and feel better afterwards because maybe I've been singing or laughing mm. with some little kids or working with some moody teenagers and got somewhere with them, and they've 
made some good music or they've played something they're really happy with and so but yeah ultimately I'd love to spend a lot more time making music I would love to um, it'd be a nice way to see a bit more of the country mm. I live in and then go and see other countries and go and play gigs there that'd be a really lovely way to see the world any musician you know who's, who's having to spend quite a lot of time on writing recording promoting doing all the emails and uh, playing gigs and all the rest of it that not not necessarily getting paid for for much of that, and so they usually haven't got loads of money, and so they can't necessarily afford lovely holidays going everywhere. So it'd be a really nice way to um, to see the world. Is it, does it tend to be words that come first? I do need some lyrics at the moment. I can't uh, kind of like I'm I'm wanting lyrics to starting points. I feel like I can't really. I can only go so far without them. The reason I don't make just instrumental music is uh, because I really love great lyrics. I'm a real, I'm really into, I'm one of those people that really likes lyrics and and get and, and is interested in them. And as a solo artist, I want, I kind of need to fire on everything that I've got to offer because I don't want to just play music that's just me playing a guitar or just me playing a synth. So. I want uh, I want to be able to sing loads and have some great lyrics and I've got my guitar and then maybe I'll have a few things being fired off from pedals with my feet and stuff like that. So I start with a starting point and then I start to think about all sorts of things and um, I don't know it's it's not the same every time it's not I don't have a, a specific way of working I just kind of I get a starting point and I listen to it and listen to it and listen to it until I've got an idea for the next bit. And it kind of get, it just kind of builds and builds and builds. Rarely do like I you know knock a tune out in fifteen minutes. Doesn't usually happen. I, I I do think there's a real value in working fast and not spending ages and ages and ages forever on a tune. I think there's a real there's a real nice energy about working fast. But it doesn't seem to happen like that for me most of the time. It's like an editing process. It was a building process and then and maybe knocking things down and building it back up again and going away and thinking about it. And I think that's, I think that's fine. I think sometimes there's a certain romanticism about, oh yeah, this, I've knocked this song out in 15 minutes. It's like, yeah, that's because it sounds like loads of other songs. You feel like it's come from the sky, but actually it hasn't come from the sky. Mm. It's come from everything you've listened to in your life. You know what I mean? It didn't fall from the sky like God gave it to you. It's because you've it's just soaked yeah, the stuff up. Just because you do something quickly is not like some measure of yeah, but that you're special yeah, or whatever. yeah, and also people, you know, mystify it a little bit. It's like oh, it just came to me, blah. As it is, it's pockets of time, building bits mm. up, think going away, thinking about it thinking about how I'm going to do it live, trying to work with my limitations. I'm not interested in a load of synths, like plugins, endless plugins and endless reverbs. I try and work with, try and keep a certain amount of energy going about. I'm not going to spend three hours choosing a kick drum. Mm. Um, I like things that come from found sounds and bits of, like my dead relatives, recordings of my granddad, recordings of my grandmother singing. Um, and incorporating them, getting bits of sounds off telly or whatever, and and working like that. I don't want I don't want to buy endless boxes with twiddly knobs and flashy lights. You start on that process, and how then do you wrap it up and finish it? When when do you know that you finished it? Play it to Georgie, my missus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What sort of feedback does she give? She just comes up with ideas. Okay. 
So, so rather like, than just sort of saying, yeah, no, that one's a bit crap, and then just walking off, she'll come up with some ideas. And sometimes I'm not interested in her ideas, but I'll always listen to them and say, no, mm. I'm not interested in that. She, you know, But other times it'll be like, yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I'll give that a try, or that's made me think about it in a different way. And so so that's nice, you know, she's, um, she's good like that.
So you're a songwriter and you have been for probably as long as I have really, since it was just cassette four tracks and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Just thinking about the technology and how it's changed your relationship to music, what you know, what have you got to say about that? I include in that the the way you access and listen to music and and the and how the technology really facilitates you as a solo artist. In terms of listening to music, um, I kind of feel the same with the way that a lot of people have said about it, like streaming is great for discovering music, but if you always stream and sort of engage with it where you can just hop from one track to another and it's kind of, you're not, it's just another thing where you're looking at a screen to find things and you may be doing something else at the same time. It starts to become backgroundy. There's a different relationship with that. Whereas if you've got something physical like a record or a CD and you take the time to put it on and you can't hop about, you know what I mean? Because it's just a ball like changing records every five minutes or changing CD every five minutes. It's not a mixtape. So you listen to a whole album and you have uh, you sort of maybe look at the liner notes and all that kind of thing. So you gauge with it on a different level. So there's pros and cons to it. I really love like listen to the radio, hear a track, find it, and I actually, I, I buy them mm-hmm. most of the time. Just on iTunes, I think that makes me an old man, but I just quite, usually, I go on iTunes, find it, and buy it. It's a quid. It's mm-hmm. a quid, you know what I mean? If I want to, I'll buy, um, buy an album as well. You know what I mean? I love that. I love the fact that, that so many times I just hear a track on the radio, hear what it is, go on the computer and buy it. Brilliant. And I don't like, the reason I buy it instead of streaming or paying for a streaming service is m- the only reason really is that I just don't want my ability to listen to the songs that I love being dictated to by um, whether I've got an internet connection. Yeah, or by a, a, a third party, full stop, these organisations, these corporations. That yeah, there, yeah, there is a bit of that, definitely, there is a bit of that, but just like last night, I was out in the, out in the sticks, um, clearing up a studio, music studio, with some friends, and because he's out in the sticks, can't get an internet connection. And it's just like, well, we can't listen to loads of music we want to listen to. I said to my mate James, have you got any music on your phone? Uh, not really. And it's like, oh, right, well, that's that then. It's like bollocks. So, yeah, it so, is, isn't it? It's very vulnerable. It's very kind of precarious. Yeah, it? and I, and I, of course, I, I, I like the idea of, you know, some money's gone to the people that made it. Mm. I know some of the, it may, some of it might have gone to some horrible, major label, but, and then technology, how, how I've made it, um, and it's, it's been great. It's been great. Um, what do I mean? You know, it just helps. It makes life easier. It's has more it, accessible. It's affordable. Has it ever got in the way? Yeah, of course it has. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, but mostly it hasn't. Mostly it's facilitated and freed me up to do stuff and to explore ideas. I get in a room on a regular basis and play music with people in a room. And I do that in my job as well. And so I'm getting that experience of singing with people and playing music with people. I've got lots of friends who play music. I go and see bands, you know what I mean? I'm not just, um, you know, computers are great, but I'm not really a computer geek. So I, I go and find it and make it in other directions. You know, I'm interested in using old tapes and old records and sampling those and getting 
pulling stuff together from different places because it feels a bit more like pots of paint and mm. you know it feels a bit more like that rather than flicking through menu menus on logic and go for all the stupid names of synth presets or I guess because I don't know how to use the filters properly. <laughs> I, maybe if I learned how to use all the twiddly knobs properly, it'd be more interesting. But just just screen time, mouses, using mouses, and my my favourite interface is using fingers. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what art's all about, isn't it? That's where the etymology of the word comes from. It's about doing stuff with your hands. Right. Literally, you know. Oh, okay. We had a conversation um, when we began writing that song together which I recorded and I haven't listened back to it. I mean, you came with a lot of energy, which was cool. It's quite a wild sounding thing. You know, I was doing my thing, but you were really doing your thing. I was really impressed and really enjoyed that whole process. I can't wait to hear it actually. And <laughs> really, I really enjoyed it. And we had a bit of a chat that seemed to draw from that energy that we'd created with the song. We were both talking about art and what, you know, why the hell we're doing all this stuff it's just life isn't it it's just it's just a manifestation of your life you why you don't sit around I, I think it's not a good idea to sit around thinking about why you do art it's like it's just that's just living mm-hmm. it's just doing yeah yeah it's just doing something like you were talking earlier you know it's helping you through things and it's part of and me talking about building my music so it kind of fits into my life mm-hmm. in the same way i've done with drinking and smoking yeah. <laughs> but you know music is maybe a bit more positive I, I try to be a thinker, you know what I mean? But kind of like when I start thinking like, why am I an artist? And it's like, <sighs> I don't know. I'm just, it's because I'm, I mean, I'm a human being. And, and every, yeah. you know, it's like, we've got to the stage now with like the, the definition of art. We all, you know, it's like, it's art when someone says it's art. Because they and they ask, and when someone says it's art, they're asking you to think about it in a certain way. Mm. You know, it's just a matter of what I consider to be good art. What's good art and what's bad art, you know. Yeah, it's about all sorts of things. But, um, yeah, it's just life, isn't it? You know? Bully. 
was all right with me. Mostly. So as I pack my boy off to school the next day, I think maybe he should take up boxing or kung fu in case he meets a Jimmy Lewis when he goes to big school. Practice punching my hands, son, that's it, make a fist for me. Make a fist with my anxiety, practice punching my hands, son. A model of masculinity where physical strength is hard currency. Kids standing in a circle spitting. Boys trying to look tough, girls trying to fit in. Practice punching my hands, son. Maybe you should just do capoeira. It's a happy medium, isn't it? performing and recording solo at the moment under the name Birds of Hell, mm. aren't you? The energy that you put into the songwriting and the performance, it seems very reflective of your life. There's songs about you being a dad, there's songs about you reflecting on your childhood, there's songs about your relationship with your children. And there's a lot that seems to be quite intensely about you as a man. Oh, is that fair to say? Yep. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, you, definitely. And I know that you're really into uh, the Sleaford mods. I can see there's a sort of energetic connection. What I mean by that is that there's a, there seems to be a similar, I would say, like mode of masculinity expressed in what I hear from your stuff and what I hear from their stuff, which I find exciting. I think that's brilliant. And yeah. It's something I'm keen to explore one way or the other. Why are you singing about that stuff in, in that way? Um... I guess sort of reflecting on some of the horrible stuff that goes on in the world and where that all comes from and then just I there's there's a line I think there's a line I'm, I'm seeing between the sort of stuff I experienced as a child and the the violence at school because school was quite a violent place I remember and I, or I seem to be, it was, I seem to be around it a lot. And just boys who've, who don't, who've never met their fathers and stuff like that, or boys that are angry and stuff. I just remember there was a lot of, you know, when I was at like eight or nine or 10, I wasn't really like playing football out with all the boys and stuff. I used to like hanging out with girls because they were a lot less stressful. I'm one of three brothers, so yeah, I, my dad brought us up for a fair chunk of time when I was young. So it was me, my two brothers and my dad, so it was a household of boys. And so that whole male energy is just a massive part of my life. Writing songs has kind of helped me get to grips with a certain amount of anger. And um, I can't necessarily explain why I've written the stuff that I've written that's the other thing I like about it always like you can follow your nose with things and you to write the song requires some thought but 
I don't necessarily think it through pro- maybe I should think it through more but I don't necessarily think it through in that way or or like sit around and sit, sit and think why am I writing about this I don't know I follow my nose it, to some extent and, and go with a, go with a, a sort of gut feeling at times lyrically and and musically and I so much terrible stuff going on at the moment it seems and I just and you look at history and all the rest of it and it's just like fucking men <laughs> it's just like so that was we were talking about this and it's just like that was my theory it's like what's going on with men what's wrong with us why do we want to kill each other all the time and you know I know there's been terrible women in history but it just seems to be mostly men <laughs> and, and so I've written about that and I was brought up with a lot of men and there was you know there was a lot of angry boys when I was a child I'm watching the Sleaford mods and well listening to them first of all or just watching their little videos I've just found this with other people who are into them who don't have a shitty job at the council who wouldn't even who would rather ashamedly say, yeah, I guess I'm middle class or whatever, or feel a bit bashful about that. But when they listen to the Sleaford Mods, suddenly it brings up, uh, so it brings up something. <laughs> you know what I mean? It really brings on something so strong. You have to be careful. You know, if I'm just about to walk into a school and walk, walk, <laughs> work with some children and I'm fucking like, <laughs> well, it's not hysterical. It's not hysterical. It's just, but it it brings up something so strong, and it's some, obviously there's some rage that those boys tap into mm. with that music, and it and it's not about working class or being under a shitty manager. I'm self-employed. I don't have a shitty manager. You know what I mean? Or <laughs> unless it's you. Yeah, unless it's me. I live up on my own shitty manager. Yeah. Well, maybe that's it. There, yeah, I, fuck, nice. There's an album title there. Maybe my, that's, maybe I'm that's my own the, shitty manager. Yeah, maybe that's the song title. <laughs> I'm my own shitty manager. <laughs> well, for our song. Yeah, yeah. yeah, cool. Excellent. All right, that's done. But yeah, Pete Murdoch, Birds of Hell, thanks for being the guest on Song Hacks. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, cool. <laughs> <laughs> So that was Pete Murdoch, a.k.a. Birds of Hell. He's a very interesting fellow. He's a fantastic songwriter. As soon as we'd finished the recording, I thought of loads of other questions I could and perhaps should have asked him. We never even mentioned the fact that he was a founding member of the band Sargasso Trio, and they enjoyed a certain degree of success and I'm a big fan of their stuff. They're currently on hiatus. And with any luck, I will feature some of the other members of Sargasso Trio on this show at some point in the future. I'd like to thank him once again for being on the show and wish him all the very best of luck as he tries to push his career forward. It's very interesting to hear about his approach to songwriting. It's quite different from mine. It seems that he tends to write lyrics first, and I hardly ever do that. One of the reasons that I'm keen to collaborate with other artists and find out about them is so that I can learn and try out new things myself. So maybe I can take a leaf out of his book and just have a go at uh, working in a similar way to him. I'm a little surprised 
at his relationship to technology when we started writing the song together that's going to feature in part two he was very keen to record as we went building up layers of sound starting with rhythm i personally find that really difficult because i would say i am a computer geek i've spent an awful lot of time learning how to use computers to record music i've learned a lot about sound engineering production programming and all of that yet when i approach technology to write songs find it extremely difficult and i'm not really sure why i much prefer to just sit with a guitar and a notebook and create the music like that once the song is finished in that form i can take it to the technology and arrange it and produce it to me that's a real noteworthy difference in our approach to songwriting I was also very interested when Pete suggested that he doesn't really think a great deal about why he makes the art that he makes. I'm quite analytical. I like to think about these things. I like to ask these questions. I like to ponder them for myself. Pete said basically that being an artist is simply being human. And I would totally agree with that. I think after a lot of introspection and a lot of thought, that's precisely the conclusion that I've come to. So I find that interesting that he's come to that same conclusion, but without having to do the head scratching that I've had to do over the years. He also seems to use songwriting as a very cathartic, therapeutic process. And that's certainly the case for me. I think in many ways, songwriting has been something that's kept me sane over the years. It's a very powerful way of expressing and exorcising feelings. It's dealing with stuff. And there's something very cathartic about going through your own personal stuff, processing your shadow, dealing with stuff, and turning it into art and then presenting it to other people. And I think Pete does that in a way that I find captivating. So as I say, I I thought of loads of other questions I could have asked after the fact. And if anyone has any suggestions of things that maybe I could have done differently, then I'd love to hear about that. I'd love to get some feedback. I'm really keen to improve this podcast with help from the audience. So you can email me at songhacks at gmail.com or you can comment on the blog at songhacks.uk or you can get involved with the Facebook page. Just search for Songhacks on Facebook. And that's all for this episode. Thank you very much for listening and enjoy whatever you do with the rest of your day.